listening to First Church Charlotte. So we love you. Praise the Lord, somebody. Has God been good to you this week? Amen, amen, amen. I am going to uh, get started here and preach a little bit. My subject today is going God's way going God's way, and I want to, I want to, if the Lord will help me, I want to open uh, the word of the Lord and share with you a story that will teach and guide us and give us some understanding of how we might go God's way. And so, if you want to follow along in the notes, uh, you can download the notes I'm preaching from off of the website. Just click on sermon notes and you'll be able to have uh, the same notes that I am preaching from. I am going to tell you the story today from the life of Moses and we're going to see if we can't learn together from it. Before I get started, I just want to remind you of our last Wednesday, as been mentioned before. Also, Friday night is our fall praise and worship concert. There are flyers out front for that concert. Um, I would like you to notice the billboards in your life. If there's a common area at work, there's probably a billboard there uh, where you can post something. If you live in an apartment complex or uh, anything like that, there's probably a clubhouse where there is a billboard, uh, a common board. So if you would just count up your common boards in your life and take that many flyers, and when you see them, just put it up. Uh, It's a great, efficient, simple way for you to get word out of what's happening at your church. We are in the business of giving this city opportunities to exalt the name of the Lord. That's what we want to do. It is part of our mission. God's been so good to us, we cannot tell it all. Can I have an amen? Amen. Now, I was, when I was growing up, we used to go door knocking. Uh, my mother would take me door knocking. I still have uh, psychological damage from going door knocking as a child. And uh, some of you grew up doing that also. We still do some of it, but it's a little bit different society now. Uh, but it was certainly, it's certainly, a, it will get you out of your neighborhood and out of your comfort zone. But if you just have a public billboard in your life that you can put that flyer on, that would be great. Uh, I'm excited about that, excited about what the Lord is going to do uh, with us and through us. All right, so I want to start by confessing to you that it is possible for me to go my own way and not go God's way. Um, I don't mean in the sense of I lose my salvation. I, I want to uh, of course, it's possible to live a life of spiritual rebellion. We, we, I think we all of us know that that is possible. It is possible for us to, to live a life of spiritual rebellion and in some way uh, miss what God would have for us by living life by our own our own standards, by our own rules, uh, to live a life of the flesh. We are all of us. Uh, made up of body, soul, and spirit. And you can think of it, you can think of it in this way. Um, if your body, your flesh is in the lead, then your temptation is to live lives of the flesh. Your flesh is in the lead. So it's natural for you to live under the lust of the flesh. Um, if that is the part of you that you allow to direct, then you will live lives of lust. Uh, this doesn't mean you're weird, strange. You're just human. Uh, if you let your 
your, your, your soul take the lead. This is how we think of our, our emotions, our personality. Um, you will tend to commit the errors that are the result of that part of you taking the lead. Like, for example, some of the errors and sins of, 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 of that would be pride and vanity, uh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. These are the kind of things that would exalt uh, within your spirit and leads you astray. Uh, and then the eternal part of you, the God-breathed portion of you, where God breathes his essence into you, and you become an eternal being. Uh, the spirit man or the spirit woman that is within you <clears throat> is the part of you that is able to sense and be drawn by God. Um, if you're here today and there's some part of you that's feeling as though you need to you need to turn your heart toward the things of God. What is happening is you are being drawn by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to understand this because a preacher can't do this for you. Uh, a praise team can't do this for you. The Spirit must draw you. And you will respond to it uh, in ways that are very, you know, related to your personality. But you need to recognize when the Spirit is drawing, drawing you. That is that eternal part of you that is able to respond to the presence of the Lord in your life. Your flesh, that part of you that is prisoner to the desires of the flesh, that is not what's leading you back to God. The emotional you, the personality you, that, that probably is not what is drawing you back to God. The Lord is drawing you, that part of you that can respond to the spiritual world. That's why you're feeling the way you feel. Whatever your context is, whatever your background is, the Spirit of the Lord will draw you. And you'll have to figure out what you're going to do with what you are feeling. And, and I've heard so many testimonies along these lines where people talk about, well, I, I need to do better or I feel like I, I need to think about, about how I'm going to live my life. I need to maybe uh, establish some better boundaries, kind of direct my life. Uh, your, your heart will be drawn. This is the gift of God in your life. And so all of us feel at various places in various times of our life, we feel uh, divine invitation. It is though, the Bible gives us this image, it is though the Spirit of the Lord knocks on our heart. And we decide whether or not our heart is open to God. Now, this will happen over and over and over in your life. It's, it's easy, easy for us to think in terms of before we committed our life to Christ and we were kind of just living by the flesh and living by the wants and wishes of our own life and um, the, the old way. And then we had a salvation experience in our life. We, we came into his presence. We repented of our sins. We turned our heart toward us. You may... may have been baptized uh, in water. You may have been baptized in spirit. Uh, you had this salvation experience, and if you uh, are spiritually simple, shall I say, you'll think that that's the end of the drawing. No, 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 no. I don't. It doesn't matter how long you've served God. The Spirit of the Lord will draw you. I, I've served the Lord for most of my life with a few um, de uh, detours here and there. I've tried to the best of my ability to serve the Lord. And even now, I mean, this week, I mean, yesterday, I have felt the drawing of God in my life as the Lord invited me 
to follow after his will, to hear his voice. This happens over and over and over and over in our life. And this is what it means to be led of the Spirit. It's not simply the initial kind of salvation experience. That's wonderful. That is a testimony. But it is a continual drawing of the presence of the Lord in your life. So let me say this to you. God has something for you. I'm going to try it over here. Let me say it over here. God has something for you. And he is drawing you. And the drawing in his life is not just salvational. That is the beginning. But you have gifts. You have talents. You need to be included in the mission. I want to say it again. You need to be included in the mission. Say it this way. I need to be included in the mission. You are a custom designed one off divine project. That God intentionally placed you in the here and now, not by accident, did not slip up on God. He has something you can do. You need to join the mission. You say, oh, I don't have a religious background. That's all the more reason that you need to join the mission. Your testimony can reach people who don't have a religious background. You say, well, I'm not like this or I'm not like that. Exactly, God intentionally placed you. And his spirit draws you and his spirit woos you. And it doesn't matter how long you've been trying to please him. You are being drawn of God. And so we, if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful, we, what we, we do is we fall into these, these bad habits. Um, we, we understand that God holds tomorrow and we see, we know that he sees what we do not see. And all of us are really intrigued by the idea of having God as, as a director, God as one who gives direction. And when we have big decisions to make, we pray about it and we hope that there will be a flashing light in the heavens where we don't have to pray, we don't have to seek, we don't have to knock, we don't have to ask. It's just a slap, hopefully a gentle slap. And the Lord said, thou shalt go and verily do this. And then we know, and then we have a sign. How many of you, how many of you have ever prayed for a sign? Oh, you guys are nervous. You think it's a trick question. I have prayed for a sign many, many times in my life. And whenever we face real fear, whenever we have big decisions to make, whenever we are overwhelmed by the unknown in our life, we will pray for guidance. When we're faced with uncertainty, overwhelmed with fear, we say, God, give us a sign. Now, real quickly, that is not really what I'm preaching about here. Um, There's this tendency in our life to use God as a consultant. We will live our life until we get to a high consequence decision, and then we will ask the preacher to pray for us so the consultant can tell us what to do. God as a consultant. Now, I am not judging. I'm not being ugly. I have done this. I am not saying that we should ask God for advice on our way. I'm saying we should surrender our plan and go God's way. Let me say it this way. I don't need him to accompany me on my way. I need him to identify for me his way. That's what I'm trying to preach about here today. I might wish this and want that, but God has an unfolding path and an unfolding plan in my life, and I am walking that, and my first responsibility is to surrender my plan for his plan. I'm not always happy with this because I tend to think I know better than the Lord, and don't look at me like that. You know you do too, and I tend to want to tell God what he really ought to think to do for me because I know what I need. 
I mean, it's not like he's God or anything and would know better than me what I need. I kind of want him to do what I say. I'm tempted to have him serve me, not me serve him. Man, that's some fine preaching. I have to be my own amen corner. I'm telling you, I'm not asking for God to give me direction on my way. I want to get out of my plan, and I want to go his way. Here's the reality. When I go my way, I end up lost. I end up confused. I end up overwhelmed. I end up exhausted. I am very good at getting lost. Life is complicated. I don't know which way to go. I don't know big decisions to make. I always end up lost. So I want to tell you a lost joke. And um, as I told the 9 a.m., this is a joke about uh, two blondes who wanted to discover the joy of hunting. Now, my wife collects blonde jokes, and she she does it because she knows she's smarter than me and better educated. And so I will bring her blonde jokes so she can in some way um, uh, prove of them or not. So this is the blonde joke I brought her in the 9 a.m. service. And I didn't ask her if she approved of it, but you did laugh. So uh, two blondes decide they want to discover the joy of hunting. They go out into the wilderness. And all our blonde ladies, you're awesome. We love you. I love blonde ladies, but that one in particular, just so you don't get weird or anything, okay? Um, so uh, they go hunting and say, and they're out in the woods and they realize after a while they're lost. They're completely, totally lost. And uh, they're walking along. What do we do? And one of them says, let's no problem. Um, if we can't find our way back, we'll shoot three times in the air and then they'll come out and save us. The other one says, great plan, great plan. So they realize after some time has passed, they're not going to find their way out. And so they say, it's time for the plan. And the, uh, they say, okay. So they shoot three times in the air and they wait for EMS to show up. They wait for the helicopter to come buzzing over. They wait for the police to come and the park rangers. Nothing happens. They're just listening to the wind. Uh, they walk a little longer. They say, maybe we ought to try again. They shoot three more times and nothing. No helicopters, no trucks, nothing. Finally, they say, I guess we should do it one more time. And the other one says, well, we're down to our last three arrows. <laughs> Okay, so that is a Charla-approved blonde joke, just in case you are, you are wondering. Um, I married a blonde girl from Cajun country. That means I get to tell Boudreaux jokes, I get to tell Thibodeau jokes, and I get to tell blonde jokes. Here's the truth about me. I come up with plans, but my plans never work out the way I thought they would. would. I have a problem seeing beyond the next hill. I have a problem knowing, and so I end up uh, frustrated in my way, and it's even worse than I. I end up lost without direction. And so I want to show you a picture in the Bible of God's people and they are in transition. This is important. Most of us, as we progress on a spiritual journey, we live our lives in transition. Uh, The past is what we survived. The future is what God has promised. And we are stuck between what we've survived and what God said we can become. This is a very intimidated position, intimidating position to find ourselves in. You look back at the formative experiences of your life. They may have taught you skills that helped you survive, but 
disadvantaged you for the kingdom that was represented by the promise. And unless God changes you, you're never going to experience what God has for you. Some of us have learned how to survive and we've become calloused. We've become in some way self-willed. We have become um, hard of spirit and the calluses have hardened us. And here we are in transition and God is showing us a field that is white and ready for harvest. But we're so hardened by what we've survived that we're unable to see the field that is before us. This is where the, the children of Israel is and the Lord has taken them out of Egypt and before them is the promised land. In the meantime, they're stuck between what they've survived and who God said they could be. And so we read in Exodus 33 and verse number 12 where Moses has this conversation with the Lord. Uh, The conversation goes like this. Now, Lord, you've told me that I would bring up these people. Uh, In other words, Lord, you you sent me to Egypt. Uh, We gathered them up. You delivered us by your mighty hand and you have directed us toward a land that is gifted to us by God, and between here and there, however, however we're having some trouble, um, and you have not yet told me who you were going to send with me. I think anything we try to do for God comes with the sense that we can't do it by ourselves. Uh, this is this is ever so true. The the more time you spend in trying to to do things for uh, of a spiritual nature or trying to make a difference in your world, you you struggle with this. If uh, wherever you are in your life, wherever you are in your personal faith, um, if you get involved, if you feel yourself drawn to get involved in a mission, to get involved in some way to make your world better, uh, that may be one of the ways God is drawing you. I, I know lots of people that. That, that even when they struggle in their own life, they're drawn to a mission, they're drawn to a cause. And uh, I think this is, this is very much true of this generation we are in. Uh, uh, some of the most interesting research is how people, particularly millennials, um, they have a much higher chance of involvement if you ask them to do something than if you just ask them to attend. I don't know if it's always been that way. I know it's that way now. Wherever you are in your faith, I want you to see that God intentionally made you, gifted you, formed you, crafted you to make a difference in in your world. And here you are with this sense of, I'd like to do something for God, but the, the need is endless. I'd like to do something to help people. I, I'd like to do something to make a difference. I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like I could do it in myself. Well, well, here is the thing about doing anything for God. The first thing you have to know is you can't do it yourself even if you try. Now, there's a temptation that comes as you spend more time in ministry to think, well, you kind of know what you're going to do. So last night I was praying and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't know how to have a life-changing service. I I don't know how to to have a service where people are truly spiritually regenerated and revolutionized. I I don't know how to do. I know how to kind of give a religious lecture. I know how to yell at people. I've been doing all that for a year, but I, I don't know. I do not know how to truly produce spiritual life. And you know why? Because I can't do it and neither can you. And so like Moses, we stand before the the future. We stand before the call. We, We stand before the promise and we say, Lord, first of all, if you're not going with me, I'm not even going to try. You see, the one thing most of us learn how to do is we learn survival, not faith. 
I, it doesn't really matter how long you've been serving God. There's a good chance you have perfected survival, but you're still struggling for faith. This is the point of what Moses is saying. Look, we're here. We know how to do this, but if we're going to go do that, if we're going to go to the promised land, if we're going to go fight giants, look, we're not doing that by ourselves. I would rather just stay here and survive than try to go somewhere and do it on my own. Here's the interesting thing. You feel like that is the end of you and you are right it is but it's the beginning of spiritual you because God is now able to take your surrender and use it for his kingdom and his purpose and so Moses says look if you're not if if I don't know who's going with me I don't want to go and yet you've told me Lord this is your promise to me I know you by name not only that but I have found grace in your sight now then Since you've said that, and I claim it, and I receive it, if I have indeed found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Almost all other translations say it like this, show me your ways. They make it plural. Um, It's not simply way or uh, it's, it's also broader. It's, it's way. So, so here's a reality. Moses, you know, the children of Israel, they, they learn the law of God, but Moses sees the ways of God. This is so important. This is what Moses is asking for. Show me your ways. And so uh, that I might know you, number one, find grace in your sight, and you would consider this nation your people. And the Lord said this, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But Moses, he, he wants to be clear about this. And so he says, look, I just, let me repeat myself here. This, this matters a big deal to me. Um, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. What are you saying, Moses? This is so fundamental, and this is so helpful for anybody who is trying to understand what it means to be God's people. This is what Moses is saying. It's not enough for us to have our own culture. Every tribe, every nation of the world, they have their culture. They have the way they cook. They have the way they eat. They have the way they act. They have the way they raise children. They have the way they do family. They have, they, 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 everybody has their way. But there is one way that people are going to know that we are of you and we are God's people. There's one way. And it's not going to be because we have something that is unique to us. This is how they're going to know your presence is with us. Oh, church, let me tell you, I hunger for God's presence to be with us. I pray that God's presence is with each one of you. Uh, You can wear a shirt that says, I'm the best Christian here at this place of employment. But let me tell you, if his presence isn't with you, it's just a t-shirt. You can wear the biggest Christian cross you want to. You can play your Christian music as loud as you want to. I love to play my Christian music loud. That's all fine and good. But if his presence isn't with you, it's 
false advertising. This is how the world is going to know that we are God's people that because his presence is with us. Oh God, we are hungry for your presence, Lord Jesus. We want to walk with your presence in our life. We want to live with your presence upon us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And so, and so the Lord says to him, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. You have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. I know you by name. I want to point out a few things, and these items are in your notes if you want to follow along. The first, the first truth is this. Moses is not simply asking for a consult. He's not asking the Lord to tell him what he should do in his way. He's saying, Lord, I want to know your ways. That continual temptation in our life to help the Lord give us direction to make smart moves on our way. That's not really what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is we turn from our way and we walk in his way. We're not just looking to make smart decisions. We want to go God's way. And this is what Moses is is asking for. He's asking, Lord, and I'll read in another version here. Uh, Now, if indeed I have found favor in your sight, please teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. I don't want to just know your law. I want to know your ways. This is is so important that Jesus himself will talk about this um, in his ministry when he tells the story of people who they they have identity in him. They cast out demons in his name, uh, but they never knew him. They, they never knew him. It's like Moses uh, saying, uh, I want to know your ways. It's not enough just to have your law. I want to know your heart as a minister, as a teacher, as a preacher. I want to know the redemptive heart of God. I want to perceive the, the father heart of, of God. It's, it's not enough to, to give you uh, this scripture and that scripture. We must perceive the heart of God because there will, there's a possibility for us to have identity uh, and be known and to uh, be seen by others as as people, uh, as Christian people of the name, but to have missed fellowship with God and have missed the heart of God. And so Moses prays, teach me your ways. Teach me your ways. I want to know your heart first. Secondly, I want my identity to be in you. The second thing I want you to see is Moses is doing more than asking for a sign. He's not just asking for a sign. Now, True story, I have uh, in my life several times asked the Lord for a sign. Um, I, I truly have done, I know we're taught in the Bible to, to not, either not to do that or to be very, very careful when we do. There's, there's, there's instruction not to do it and there's also examples of people who did and God honored them. And so if we let scripture interpret scripture, um, what we end up with is this, this kind of idea that as a general sense, we should not test the Lord. Um, but if you're absolutely desperate, it's worth a try. <laughs> I like what the, the lesson of the of the scripture is there on that. And I have tested the Lord and and to be to be fair, uh, at least twice the Lord has answered me 
in my life by signs uh, to, to, to give me confidence that I needed. However, I have to say this. He's never given me the sign I asked for. He's always given me his choice of a sign, not my choice of a sign. Uh, because there's always a tendency when you pick the sign that you wrap your desires and lusts up in the sign that you ask. And usually it's better to ask the Lord to give me a sign and I'll know it when I see it than it is to tell the Lord what it must it must be he's not simply asking for a sign he's not saying look if you want us to go do this then you know float float this rock in the air that's not what he's saying he's not asking for a sign a sign can be guidance what he is asking for is presence this is this is a big deal He's not just asking for guidance. He's asking for presence. Um, I often ask my wife between services, is there something I can do to make, to, to communicate what I'm trying to say better? And um, she challenged me today and she's like, what do you mean guidance? Uh, presence is better than guidance. So um, this is how I would, I would try to describe the fact that presence is better than guidance, okay? Um, if I go into a big store that has lots of uh, small things, like you go into Home Depot and you need a very small uh, um, uh, nut or washer or a bolt or something like that and they have thousands of bolts there now you walk up and they say can we help you and you say yeah I'm looking for this bolt now they can give you guidance aisle 14 is where the hardware is and walk off and leave you there have they given you guidance yes but let me tell you what's better than guidance presence here it is oh show me your bolt I will go with you Do you see the difference? Let me tell you what's better than guidance. His presence. Moses is not content with a seven-step plan. Moses says, if you're not going with me, honey, we ain't going. I don't mean to be stubborn. I don't mean to be hard-headed. But I know what I can do and it ain't much. If you're not there, I would rather stay here and survive than go there and be killed. I must have you with me. Let me speak for First Church here. Lord Jesus, we don't know how to reach a city. We don't know how to reach a state. We don't know how to reach a world. You've given us the mission of doing it and we're going to try. But you've got to go with us, Lord Jesus. I I can't do it without you. I don't want a self-help plan. I want your presence with us. I want your anointing in our prayer meetings. I want your power in our altar services. I want your presence in our worship services. I'm not just looking for a self-help plan. I'm not just looking for seven steps. I want your presence with me. And the Lord says, okay, that's what I was looking for. My presence will go with you. What's the result of having God's presence with you? You discover rest. Having God's presence with you helps you rest, rest. If you're struggling for rest, before you go to sleep, why don't you get down beside your bed and pray and say, Lord, I'm not going to sleep here tonight unless you're here with me. So I'd like to know that you're here right now. And I thank you because I know you are with me. You will discover the best sleep you have ever had in your life is when you have the presence of the Lord. It's like the psalmist said, I laid down and slept. You're going to go. You're going to face the giant. But you will have rest. Why? My presence will be with you. This is the key to the passionate relationship that Moses has with the Lord. It is not simply a plan for Moses' life. Moses has laid down his plan. His plan ended in a desert. He has taken on God's plan. And with God's plan.
plan comes God's presence. And so I want to very quickly, I want to end this service today, this sermon today. Uh, I want to end by comparing my way versus God's way. I am quite good at coming up with my own way. I am quite good at defining my own plan, but I don't want to do that. I want to get out of the business of making a plan. I want to get in the business of hearing from God. Can I have a big amen in this house? Uh, Our musicians can come. The first thing you need to see in the difference between my way and God's way is this. And I, I want to say this. I feel the presence of the Lord here. Some of you need to receive this right now because you, do, you don't need many more weeks like the last few you've had. Uh, you've had too much pain. It's not healthy for you. It's not helpful for the people you love. You've had too much pain and you need to hear what I'm about to say. How do I know the difference in my way and God's way? If the loneliness in my life is crushing, I'm going my way, not God's way. He says, my presence will go with you. So much of life is the reality of experiences that, that people cannot share with us. People can love us. They can support us. They can sit there and hold your hand while you hurt, but they really can't feel your hurt. You're going to stand there alone. But there is one who was in all points tempted like you are. There is one who is able to see every tear. He is able to experience every pain. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And if the loneliness in your life is crushing you, it might be that you need to trade your way for God's way. It will take surrender, yes. It will take you opening your hands instead of clenching your fists to what you want for you. You're going to have to open your hands for what God wants for you. Yes, that is an act of spiritual submission, but I'm telling you, you will find his presence with you. In that old hymn, In the Garden, the the songwriter says this, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known I want you to hear what the Lord says to Moses my presence will go with you true missionary story that uh, happened in um, in China during the uh, the communist takeover in the early part of the, the 20th century there was a missionary there uh, her name was Gladys Alward, and she was working with orphans, and she had gone there as a missionary to, to start an orphanage for street kids. And uh, as they were fleeing from the, the war, uh, and she was leading all of these uh, kids with her, trying to find a safe place. She had the older kids carrying the younger kids, and they're trying to get out of the war zone. Uh, she overwhelmed with a sense of her own failure and no hope of reaching safety. One of the girls, 13-year-old girls, tried to comfort her, and she said this to her, don't forget what you told us about Moses in the wilderness. She, of course, was referring to God's promise of his presence. And Gladys Alward replied, yes, my dear, but I'm not Moses. And the young girl replied and said, yes, but God is still God. What am I trying to say? This is what I want to say. If your loneliness is crushing you, you might be pushing too hard for your way. Why don't you see what God's way would do? Uh, The second thing that is if your way is overwhelming you 
and leaving you exhausted. If you, you see, here's the truth. My way is exhausting. My way is the way of being overwhelmed. But God says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. God knows exactly how to give rest to people who are exhausted. God can watch your back while you're sleeping. He can give you provision that it seems like the smallest of cakes, but you can run many miles. I'm referring to the story of Elijah right now. It just seems like a simple cake, but it's the kind of cake you can run many, many miles on. And so if my way is crushing me with loneliness, I need to think about finding God's way. If my way is leaving me exhausted, leaving me overwhelmed, I need to trade my way for God's way because he is the giver of rest. I want to remind you of so many of the great tragedies of of history. Uh, For example, the Challenger space shuttle disaster. Um, Also, Exxon Valdez. Also, so, Three Mile Island nuclear uh, accident, also the Chernobyl nuclear accident, also fatal navigational errors in Korean Airlines 007, um, all of these things, and there's so many more, all share one common ingredient, and that is the captains, the leaders, uh, the astronauts, uh, the, 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 the program managers. Uh, in every story, uh, they were going on almost no sleep. Uh, the challenger, the, the, the managers had only had two hours of sleep that night when they made the decision to go ahead with launch. Exxon Valdez, Three Mile Islands, Cherimotnobel, on and on. These were judgment errors made by people who had not had rest. If you are exhausted, you will make bad decisions. It's not personal. You're just human. If you make bad decisions when you are exhausted, there is a high probability that your error profile (laughs) is going to be very high. I want you to know, trade your way for God's way. You will find he is the giver of rest. Lastly, my way is filled with insignificance. I try and I try and I try and it seems like it doesn't matter. And my own ego mocks me. If you have a certain kind of ego, you don't even need the devil to show up. You can talk his language for him. If you have a certain personality, if you're hard on yourself, you don't even need the devil to show up and say, let's be honest, you're a bum. No, you're already saying, let's be honest, you're a bum. The devil's just like eating popcorn saying, hey man, y'all have good church over there. You see what I'm saying? You're beating yourself up. My way is filled with insignificance. I feel like I don't matter. I feel like no matter how hard I try, it's all a joke. I feel like it doesn't matter. You know what that's a sign? I'm too committed to my way, not God's way. Because God gives instant, eternal significance the moment he says, I know you by name. So yes, my way is lonely. God's way is filled with spiritual communion. My way is exhausting. His way is filled with spiritual rest. My way is insignificant. His way is filled with spiritual identity and divine significance. I want you to see that significance, the ultimate significance comes from the Lord. And finally, in the same manner uh, of insignificance, you can feel forgotten. I want you to know that's very human to feel forgotten. The generations are moving along. You are not as cool as you used to be. Don't take it personal. 
But God knows where you are and God knows who you are. And don't let your own sense of failure be the final voice when God said, I know you by name. I am on your side. I am with you. I want to invite you and I want to remind you that all of the scripture is this divine invitation for us to go God's way. And he draws us. Did you hear what I said? He draws us. Some of you right now, you're sitting there and you feel that drawing. You feel that that as it were the Lord inviting you, take a step in this direction. I've created you for this. I've anointed you in this way. I have prepared you for this work. I have invested in you for this path. And the Spirit of the Lord draws you. All you have to do is say, all right, Lord, I hear you. I'm taking a step away from my way. And I'm going to walk your way. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me all across the house? I want to pray over you here before we continue any to another part of the service and I want as every head is bowed and eyes closed I want you to those of you who you feel the drawing of the Lord right now and you actively want to turn away from your way to his way I'd like you to in the presence of the Lord raise your hands all across the house right now God bless all of these so many of these that's right God bless you all right church join with me right now I want to pray Lord Jesus we are so prone in our flesh to try to go our way and not surrender to what you would have us to do who you would have us to be Lord Jesus I'm praying for every heart here that is feeling the drawing power of your spirit they are they're acknowledging that you are in some way leading them uh, enticing them drawing them um, you're in some way trying to get them away from all of the junk in their life and to see an eternal purpose and to, to feel an eternal drawing an eternal mission Lord Jesus I'm praying today that we would not resist you that we would not resist you but that we would respond to you in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name I'm going to have a, a very a little bit different prayer service here today I'd like to ask my pastoral staff to go ahead and get, get ready here in just a moment I'm going to have those of you who need healing in your body or you want to stand in the stead of somebody else's need of healing I'm going to ask you to come down to this side uh, in just a moment uh, also if you have a context need like a job uh, relationship you have a need a context need I'm going to ask you to come down to this side and we're going to pray for you over over here uh, and as you come I, I just want to say I want to say this to all of you um, there's such a temptation in our lives there's such a temptation for us in some way to feel like when we feel the drawing of God that we begin to make a list of things we need to do better at because we're feeling the drawing of God and I, I want you to I, I want you to see that the temptation there is this I need to get good so I can get God okay and then you wonder why it fails you, you cannot be your plan for getting good <laughs> um, that's not how it works when God draws you you need to respond right now you don't need to, to figure out if you're worthy you don't need to figure out if you have a plan you don't need to figure out what's going on what you need to do is say I respond to the call of God in my life right now don't get good in order to get God reverse the order get God so there's a chance someday you might get his goodness and so right now, all across the house, uh, we're going to begin praying uh, if you need. Thank you for 
listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.